Hey, Gary. Yes? Hey, do you want to do a podcast with me where we explore core topics? Oh, fuck yeah. Yes. Hey, and let's call it Queer Nundrum. Oh, my God. Yes. Awesome. Please listen carefully. How you doing? Hey! Welcome to our show, Cornandrum! I am your host, Holly Greystone. And I'm your other fabulous co-host, Gary M. Thorin Jr. Hey, beautiful. How are you doing? I'm doing great, sexy. <laughs> if you could see me right now, you would not say that. I have my hair up in a head wrap because I'm doing a, a hair treatment because... I haven't properly taken care of my hair since we got puppies. Like I wash my body, but my hair has just been getting the brunt end of it for the last two weeks. And my oh. hairstylist who trimmed my, my, my side shave was like, when was the last time you washed your hair? And I couldn't answer the question. She goes, okay, you need to take care of yourself. And you like watch me through this whole, th- whole thing I needed to do to take care of my hair. It cost me 20 bucks and my hair is happy. I can run a brush through it now. It's, I, yes, I just let it get a little too crazy. So kind of like the owner of the hair. Pretty the crazy much. Side. Yes, I'm a little crazy. Beautiful, beautiful, but crazy. You know, yes. I'm just hey, saying. I got to keep people on their toes. And <laughs> if they start to have an expectation of me, it becomes too much. And I just can't handle that. So I got to be a little cray cray to throw them off. I just assume they're going to expect you to be a little cray-cray. So maybe you need to go in and be a little normal. I don't know if I can even pronounce that word without choking. <laughs> oh, no, I can't. Uh, yeah, things are good. I, As you know, I have two wonderful puppies now. We got them a day after we got back from our honeymoon before we were ready to have dogs because we had not quite puppy proofed. We thought we had a few extra days to do yeah. that. So we hit the ground running. Uh, one of our dogs has a shattered upper jaw. So we were not prepared for the added work in terms of that care or cost. Uh, we aren't paying for like the medical stuff of it, but we did have to buy specific toys that he can use that won't hurt that jawline. And different food so he's on wet food which is like five five bucks or more a can and he goes through a jesus christ he goes through a can a day (laughs) so it was just a little unexpected um the people who he was in whose care he was under at the time before we actually got them are paying for all the medical stuff they feel terrible it was a genuine accident um he fell down a flight of stairs somehow shattered his upper jaw. And I didn't know that when they called crying and telling us what happened, they said he broke his jaw. I've seen broken jaws. I worked in the medical field for a number of years, a broken jaw. Sure. Okay. A couple of breaks here and there. No shattered, shattered his jaw, which makes complete sense when you're told that your dog who's three months old has to stay in a cone for six months. And when you took, when you took him to Alpine or wherever you went, yeah. did they did they say that, yeah, it's going to be six months no matter what? They did. Well, not no matter what. They did 
uh, they did sedate him because a piece of the bone did did not adhere to the rest of it and worked its way out through his one of his baby teeth. Oh. He, was, he was losing anyway, and it was getting a little infected. They said it probably would have cleared up anyway once that tooth popped out, and it would have been fine. But since we're here, we'll take care of it. Yeah. Did, did an assessment, and they said, well, in three weeks, we'll do an x-ray. And if it looks like things are pretty solid, because puppies heal pretty fast, infants in general, bones heal really fast, we can talk about taking the cone off or at least okay. shortening the cone. He's on an extra long cone. Oh, which makes so- it extraordinarily difficult for him to do anything. In fact, when he runs, if he, if his cone catches the ground, <laughs> oh, he no. literally pull vaults over his cone into a uh, like a handstand. Aww. It's it's funny, but it's also like he's gonna hurt himself. Like, what are we trying to say? That's here? gonna yeah, it's gonna get his jaw all hurt all over again. Right, and they're like, actually, yeah, we get what you're saying, but that's that's low impact and all, all versus they gave it a really good explanation. Hey, they don't know everything. I'm they don't saying. know. They don't. They don't know yeah. everything. And bless them they for trying to do what they can do. Yeah. Uh, but they give us uh, some useful it, information, though. So it's helpful. Is it through Alpine? Alpine is the primary. Washington State okay. University yeah. is secondary at this point because they did the operation. Well, and they're both amazing places. They're both amazing so facilities. Nice. Yeah. They just happen to be understaffed. Like a mm-hmm. lot of facilities around the, around the world, because of COVID, a lot of places are severely understaffed which is a problem i just discovered 10 minutes ago is that Uh, i was going to ask you is that what was going on with can we talk about that one yeah so max our older dog 11 years old uh i had discovered discovered a mass a small mass internally uh just by petting him and stuff like that i was like that feels like a lump and not a fatty lump like old dogs get like this is a hard lump anyway i took him in we had a conversation. They said, it's probably nothing. Keep an eye on it. If it changed, come back. So it changed. I came back and because it was twice as big um, from the point we went from our honeymoon and came back from our honeymoon. It had, it had doubled in size. And so they said, yeah, it's, it's 20% chance it's cancer. He has to go and get a biopsy. Then he has to have surgery. Everybody is like 68 weeks or more out before they can even do the surgery. And hit that mass doubled in 45 days. So it would likely continue to double in 45 days or rupture. And if it ruptures, he bleeds internally and dies. So he needs surgery. And we've been calling the facilities that have the equipment necessary to do this type of surgery, which is very specific. And so far, no one is available for over 60 days is sad. And they're exploring options. I said, you know what? Six hours by car, any direction, find me a place. If I have to hey. go further, I will go for, if I have to do 12 hours. Well, in Cause car, he's your boy. Yeah, I, I will mean, do it. A, yeah. I will do so it. So have, have you got a hold of, of Tiff to see? Cause you know, she's got those connections. She may be able to help you with, you that. know, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be in a position directly. So I put <clears> it out on Facebook and asked the question. She's, uh, she's a friend of mine. She can, she can comment if she feels free. I will or, tag or her in the damn thing then. So <laughs> I'll do it. You can't be blamed for it. Then I'll tag oh, you. Fair, so. fair. I just, okay. I, I know that you know, friends that I have that are professionals in certain fields, I try not to tap on their resources unless I absolutely have to. And right now I, I don't feel like I absolutely have to. When I have two medical facilities trying to find something. Um, so they are, they're looking for other places. So. They're looking, but you know what? Yeah, I will contact Tiff after this recording, and I will be like, "I think hey. you should." Yeah. Um, 
anyhow, uh, a little stressful on that front. He's doing really well. He's actually bonding pretty well with the puppies, which exceeds my expectations by far. He's loving on them. He's teaching them things, playing with them. He has such a soft mouth. I taught him to have a soft mouth, which is something you do with hunting dogs. Uh, you teach them to have a soft mouth. I did that because I knew he'd be playing with other dogs as he grew up. And I didn't know that would come to fruition with him playing with puppies. And here we are. Um, just the most adorable thing I've ever seen. So pretty so excited, excited about that. So Max is uh, training the two puppies to hate Kevin, right? To oh, that's already it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. He loves Kevin. You kidding me? Short of uh, short of getting in the car with your with your husband and taking off, Kevin is like fourth on that list with Alexa being sec- third. Oh, um, really? See, I, I would have thought oh, yeah. Kevin. I I thought Kevin would have been above Dean, quite honestly. So no, I bet he, he yeah, really. He hasn't loaded in the car for Kevin. He loaded in the car for Gary. Or for sorry, hi Gary. Uh, for your hi. husband, <laughs> without even asking, he just pa- parked himself in the front seat. Like, all right, Dean, put it in gear. Let's go. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he loves Kevin though. Yeah. The cat, on the other hand, no. So yeah, that's new. And then I just got a job as a project manager for a nonprofit organization based in finally Portland. doing something with your life, Holly. Finally, it's taken years. I, you know. <laughs> I'm giving you my I'm giving you my Mr. Potato eyes right now. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of things with my life. Oh, um, she has been so this is was if you didn't catch it, the sarcasm in my voice. She has like 20 irons in the in the pot right now. She's has so many things she's I, doing. Well, so. I have a I have at least two outlines of a book started. I have two companies, Cornundrum, CCS Empowerment. I have obviously training puppies, project management, construction, my own projects, other people's projects. Yeah, I mean, I have a few irons. I do a lot of things. Yeah, um, you're tra- bu- you're very very busy studying for my certification, which someday I'll actually sit down and take that. someday soon, I'll sit down and take that. And you're um, still president, right? I am still president of a nonprofit. Uh, nonprofit organization, a community theater. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. How, how um, esoteric are we going to be on this? <laughs> right, right. So yeah, so I work, so I'm a president there. I have a wonderful team of people I'm working with. We're bringing on even more people, especially as COVID has kind of allowed people to kind of come outside and play a little bit. Yeah, I have a few irons, but enough, yeah, enough about couple. my woes and joys of life. How are you well, doing? No, wait, uh, well, no, go ahead. we'll get to yeah. me in just a minute. Okay, I, but explain your new job. You really didn't explain your job, so. Well, okay. Uh, so the, the new the paying job you've got the paying there, so. job the paying job. So it's a nonprofit organization called Gladys Community Center, and it is based in Pullman, Washington. And it's just what it is. It's a community center. It's for the public use. There is some uh, space there that's for rental, like you could rent, and it's. They prefer to rent to nonprofit organizations, but they rent to anyone who wants to be in the in the place. They are uh, basically going to become the new location for Pullman Civic Theater down the road. Uh, Pullman Civic Theater right now operates out of a very small facility, and hopefully, will be moving over here not too long from now uh, into a beautiful, fully remodeled theater space and be the in-house theater group. Uh, where we'll also have classes and stuff like that. 
and then on top of that, there's a lot of community like activities. Like we have art, art night and cook night, roller derby, basketball, all kind of karate. There's a lot of just community uh, members that utilize the um, rental spaces that are available for events. So my primary duties as of, I understand it because I've only been on the job for eight, eight hours is basically to help build the programs and connections with the community, with the event space, help raise money to continue to do the remodeling and expansion of the facility to accommodate more events and more, more community engaged activities. So my official title is a nonprofit event project manager. And when they were which initially you are so suited for, which I am so very, suited very for. much suited for, I'm very, very excited about it. Uh, they were like, well, this is when they hired me or they were, they're doing up, doing up my job description. They put me down and I kid you not, Gary space project manager. <laughs> that was the name of my title. And I, so I Googled it. I was like space project manager. Google it. If you Google it, you'll laugh. Because it's okay. primarily for NASA and the billionaires that are building rockets to get out, get off the planet that they helped destroy. And uh, yeah, it's a very specific type of so project manager. Goes right, that's going to go right up on your vision board, right? For your right next up, step. Yep. So. My next step, man. NASA, baby. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was like, I showed that to them. I was like, we, we really should reconsider this title. And they're like, well, what do you think? And I was like, nonprofit project manager. Oh yeah, that's really good. And then well, well, but it's also events. So I'm going to do nonprofit event project manager. I'm like, cool. I'm putting it down as nonprofit project manager because it's a very specific type of project management. And I have a huge heart and passion for nonprofits because I think they do a lot for the communities that they serve. And that is a potential avenue as I continue to grow in this field, which I've been doing for years, over 10 years I've been doing this, but officially doing it with certification um, is something that I, I have a passion for. I'm pretty excited to do to do that. Uh, my company, CCS Empowerment, is on on a kind of a hold a little bit. Uh, my partner has had some trauma in their family life that they're focusing on, and a big part of being an owner of a company is respecting that we need to take care of ourselves and our families. Oh, so give them my love, okay? We'll do. I hope everything's Absolutely. okay. Yeah, it will be. It'll just take some time. Yeah. So we just kind of have okay. a little bit of a pause on that. We're still taking care of our clients that we already have on board, uh, but we're not we're not seeking and, and growing at this point. We're just going to kind of hold for a little bit. Cornundrum, my business partner on that, he has had internet issues, got another job. He's been super busy. I just don't I know. have to do with this guy anymore. You should spank him. <laughs> no, he might like that. So probably okay. not going to do it. <laughs> well, ask Dean, ask Dean to spank him. I'm just, that might be the best thing to do. So I'm not going to facilitate that. I'm good. I love you though. No. (laughs) Well, yeah. So yeah, that gets into, I, I think I've mentioned on here that I've now, they, I was moved from the, I was a wonderful, God, it was a great position. I was the residential dining manager um, at Western Colorado university and I have been moved into the, my official title is catering director and retail manager. Um, so that means I, I'm handling all of the, all of the cater events that come through us. And um, the parts that I do love, I love the fact that 
Um, if you, those of you who know me well enough or through the podcast know I have a gift of gab. So talking to people and sort of kind of what you're going to be doing and what you are doing is, you know, and then, you know, selling them on certain aspects of the catering and, or even saying, you know what, I don't think you need that much food. Or I think you're, you, you, you this is maybe a little, you're looking for something a little more laid back than what you're doing, you know, so mm-hmm. feeling out the clients and going mm-hmm. through all that and um, doing all that. The last couple of days, the last week ish have been the, the term I'm looking for is fucking kick-ass busy i think would be the best way i could i um had on uh one the friday i had i worked from 7 30 a.m until 9 p.m then that saturday i did 8 30 a.m until midnight um so then I some long hours. Then I got Sunday off for what we'll talk about in a minute. And then, um, I did get sent. I was able to take Sunday off for a wonderful surprise that we'll talk about. And then, um, has just been a very busy week since then. And yeah, poor Holly's right. So I had to cancel the first time we're supposed to get together to do this podcast because, all of a sudden I had a person call out on this very important catering event, which I was just going to be there, say hi to everybody, look amazingly handsome and then walk away from. So that didn't happen. So somebody called out six, all of a sudden I'm just in the middle of it and fucking actually working, you know, but whatever. So, and then, um, and then I have been doing, uh, getting caught up because the catering manager who left, you know, left with, things unfinished this guy's just the way it works you know catering is is a fluid machine so i you know just where she left off i'm trying to take over and had a couple weddings poor people who i just have felt so sorry for the people that their catering person has changed on them at the last minute Mm. um so far everybody's been wonderful but i've been dealing with that and then um um the retail side of it oh my gosh honestly realizing now I was very lucky upstairs with the, the upstairs position because now that I'm doing retail, uh, a bunch of people, because I wasn't the person in charge, I'm just going to say it, quit. And all of a sudden I'm very short staffed. And so trying to find people in this climate where people aren't wanting to come back to work, and I don't blame them. Yeah. You know, so I'm really, I'm very short and already talking to, talking to people saying there's no way that we can do breakfast at this point. There's just no way. So until we get some people hired. So dealing with all that kind of stuff. And then tomorrow I've got another long day. I am getting to work at eight in the morning and I'll be done probably around 11 o'clock tomorrow night. Um, But then, and so that's something that you and I, after this broadcast talk about, yeah, things open up a little bit better for, to get some extra podcasts dropped. So, um, so doing all that has been um, fun and I hate, it actually has been fun and I hate to say it, I realize how good I am at it. And so <laughs> it's something that um, being able to make everything work and click, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really good at that. So it's kind of the director in me coming out in these ways. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been 
tired beyond belief, but I've been in, I really have been enjoying doing it. So I have to say both sides of it. So, um, and I'm really excited. Uh, I did fight to get the people I have in the positions, all raises, and it was approved. So that really excites me because with my catering staff and with my people in the retail outlet, they have been working their asses off and I was able to get them some raises. So that really makes me happy. Yeah. So those are, those are really good things. Um, and then I got this, yeah, about a week ago, I got a email from a wonderful human being, wonderful human beings, Tom and Jerry Harris. And they said, we need to talk to you. Uh, what they, they sent me, actually, they sent me a text. Could you please send me your email address? And I go, okay, because I know anybody who knows Tom and listens to this knows he's terrible about emails, any of that kind of shit. So I go, okay, <laughs> you've intrigued me. He shows me a picture of his beautiful Zelda, which happens to be a 1997 Harley Davidson Cruiser. Uh-huh. Gorgeous blue with a sidecar attached to it and asked me if I want it. And I go, Oh my God. Yes. How much? He goes, no, we're giving it to you. And I go, okay, well, I don't know when I can pick it up. And he goes, no, you don't understand. We're going to bring it to you. So not only do they give me this gorgeous bike, they bring it to me. Which is crazy. It's a two-day drive to do this with a trailer. They end up getting nine miles to the gallon. (laughs) They end up running out of gas a couple miles from the nearest gas station. They end up sitting in the car in heat that's 95 degrees or above for two hours waiting to get gas to their car. Um, All this stuff going on. They get it to me. I have everything there. Plus, and at some point, Holly, I'll take pictures of it, you know, and we can post it on our website. Okay. Um, they have a they they have a history of how it got the name Zelda and all the stuff from the original owner, and it's just all this stuff. I mean, I'm literally sitting there bawling. I That's mean, crazy. I mean, all the stuff they do. It was that was. I mean, this says how wonderful people they are, and uh, and then also because of me, I, I hear that Holly maybe getting <laughs> maybe buying well, their other bike. I don't know if it's because of you to be to be honest uh Jerry had posted on her Facebook page um basically saying hey my husband has this book and or this this motorcycle basically we, we're making we have to be adults and we're growing up and we've decided to write off this chapter of our life and we're going to go ahead and sell this motorcycle uh if you're if you know anyone who's interested please let me know the sidecar is headed to Gunnison this weekend, but we had this 2000 electric glide ultra, which is a Harley Davidson. And if you're interested, let me know. So I said, Hey, I, I like to know a little bit more about this. And so she gave me her husband's number, Tom and Tom and I exchanged a couple of text messages about it. And at the same time, does my wife was like, Hey, did you see Jerry's post? And then I was like, damn it. It's meant to be the universe is talking. And then I sent a, a appropriate and so you can message be as cool to, as me. So I say, yeah, I sent an appropriate <laughs> message to Gary that says, fuck you. And he goes, you're looking at the motorcycle, aren't you? I'm like, Damn yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I was got for a minute. I go, 
what the fuck did I do? And I go, oh, wait a minute. The motorcycle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 there's a split second of, well, fuck you, bitch. And then right. I go, oh, wait a minute. Well, no, wait, I get- oh, wait, there's probably, yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're in discussion. I, I did go out and look at the bike, but it the solenoid went out as I tried to start it. And so they have taken it into the shop to have uh, that looked at. And I'm going to look at it again um, in August. So I'll consider, you know, I am considering it very strongly. Uh, it's just a matter of oh, whether you're or not. You're get it, whatever. I will only get it if Desiree can sit on the back end comfortably because. Oh, the they peg... said that she. Yes, she did test it out. With oh, granted, okay. we couldn't actually ride the bike. Yeah. But she did sit on it, and the and her knees do sit at a comfortable ninety degree oh, good, angle versus good. the one eighty, where her knees are practically shoved into her face. Um. Because so, the pegs do sit lower, and it's actually a pad, so her whole foot sits on a on a platform. Oh, cool! Which is better All than right. most motorcycles with their pegs. And see what Dean's going to do is decided because he's not really a motorcycle guy, but he's going to get himself in, uh, like a, a Vespa kind of thing. Not a Vespa <laughs> that's too fucking expensive. It's something like those lines. It goes up to fifty five. Is he For not going reason, to do the sidecar? He will, but you know, at, if we do like a a long trip. See, my mind once goes, if I, if it work out, I'd like to make one trip to Cabo in that thing. I think that'd be just so amazing, but, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then so, you get put you know, stuff in the sidecar. Yeah. And so, um, so, but anyway, so he's thinking about doing that. So see that Desiree could do, you know, get her own. Bike, she has already know. said no. Okay. That, well, you know, there was a discussion a while ago and I had my Honda Magna, which is still riding around in this Pullman area. In fact, it's sitting outside of the Honda shop and I want to talk to the owner and be like, what did you do to her? But I have to let go. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I, at that time I wanted to keep my motorcycle and I had asked as if she wanted to get a bike because we bought, we have motorcycle gear and I have a license uh, and I've been riding for a while. And she's like, no, I, I don't, I would rather be a writer. And she's an amazing writer. She's, she knows how to lean with you as you, as you're riding your motorcycle. So uh, she's like, no, I'm, I'm good with this. And I was like, okay, so we'll just need to sell this bike and we need to, we need to look for a bike. And then this motorcycle came up and it's a really good opportunity if it does work out. Um, it's been well loved by great friends and it will continue to oh, be yeah, loved. They're amazing. Um, and it, if it fits the needs, it'll, it'll be something where we could go to like hikes and waterfalls and, and stuff like that. So, so for me on the side of dealing with the, with the motorcycle, has come some wonderful, interesting challenges. So um, I literally, so finally today, because I've been just very busy, I finally got insurance on the bike. Mm-hmm. And it's still covered under Tom, so I wasn't too worried about it, but I did get insurance on the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in, so I I drove it around a little bit in the parking lot to get the turning down and stuff like that. Because I haven't been on a bike in about 30 years so I wanted to, you know, and then I want to take a motorcycle safety course, you know, I'm just trying to be a responsible driver. I highly, highly recommend it. Anyone yeah. who's listening to this, take the class. Even if it's not required in your state, take it. It will save your life. Do it. And so <laughs> what's going on then is that where I live, because it's a very small community, the nearest place that has oh motorcycle gosh. safety training is three hours away in Grand Junction. So what's I found out that I can, I don't have to drive my bike there. They will, they will supply you one. 
they so I have to see if they'll do a sidecar because that is different. I'm assuming they will, but I have to find out. They do so not. Dealing with- more often, more likely, they will give you it's uh, like a 250. It'll be okay. lightweight, about 150 to 200 pounds, um, and they will take you through the training because the sidecar is is very is is not something that most places will have. If they have one, I'd be truly surprised and like to know, but they'll give you a, one of their bikes to use. And so it, you know, so I'll be learning on that. Well, I'm going to be, I, so this, then what I want to do was the next one I can get into is, is September something, September, it's getting towards the end of the month of September. So, you know, with all that, but I go, okay, okay. Well, so what I want to still do is I want to go and get a helmet. Okay. Oh, so then I have to get it taken in to get recalibrated because we're at 7,800 feet. So it's going to have to be, everything's going to have to be recalibrated. And so we're going to take it in and do all this stuff. And so I go to this motorcycle shop, the one in, there's only one in town. And uh, they go, uh, they go, oh, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't repair street bikes. We only repair dirt bikes. They gave me the number oh. of a guy who does it. And they go, oh, he'll get back to you. It may take a day or two. So I called him up, haven't heard back from yet. This is all today. But I go, okay, I still want to buy a helmet so I can, when the time comes, I can I can ride it to him, but I, I still want to do a little practicing. He goes, yeah, I don't even, I, and I, he's being a very responsible business owner. So I get what he's doing. He didn't even want to sell me a helmet because I was honest, told him everything going on until I get it recalibrated. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's going to be a point where I'm probably going to be riding my bike without a helmet to take it to a place to get it recalibrated so that I can actually get a helmet, which is beyond me. Well, and so that's, that is what? So, no. and so what I'm hoping is what, when I talk to the guy, so this is, and I'm going to say, could you please explain to this owner who gave you, gave me your number that I need a helmet to get it to you? Uh-huh. And I'm sure I'm sure that's the song we have to do. And I'm just I'm sitting there laughing at this point because I just want to ride the fucker thing, but I'm too responsible, so I don't want to get on. Right. I've got certain things taken care of. A helmet being the biggest important one before I do anything else. So I've been dealing with that. It's like, like oh my god! But so that's so that's where that's at right now. Um, and I did ask. So say if I'm not able to get to that motorcycle safety course until. September what's and I talked to a, a police officer who I know in town what's going to happen because they won't give me then the um the learner's permit whatever it's called mm-hmm. um for for my license to drive a motorcycle till I've gone through the safety course or so um I go what's going to happen to me and they go Gary nothing they'll stop you and just explain what's going on and as long as you're not wrecking into anything I mean, so that's where I'm at at this point. And I still, then that's with crazy. all this, I still have to go and get, I have to get it switched over to Colorado plates and all this shit. I'm like, oh my God. So anyway, that's, that's been, well, you have, having, a grace, you have a grace period before every state has a grace period. Oh, I know. I just, you know, me. Yes. You want to get it taken care of. I totally calm. get it. Yeah, yeah. You and I are both that way. Just get it done. You know, just get it done. So, yeah. Get it done. And so I just, I want to, I want to get it all done. And then I keep getting these roadblocks, which is it's a little frustrating, but I'm getting there. So now just ask me how much I weigh. No. 
Just ask me. Come on, please, 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 Fine. please. Gary, how much do you weigh? I weigh 217 pounds right now. Son of a bee. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm, I am wearing, Holly gets this and certain other people will get it. I am now wearing Dean's clothes. I have to end this conversation. We're going to just drop this whole thing. No, <laughs> no that's awesome, man. That's crazy. And that's so I'm just, crazy. Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm, yeah, I've literally got 30, 33 pounds to hit the weight that my surgeon wanted me to get, wanted me to get to. So I'm, I'm like going above and beyond and don't worry, folks. I'm feeling amazing, more energy than ever. Dean has to deal with my sex drive has gone through the roof. Uh, so all these great things are happening. So I'm, so it's all good stuff, but yeah, I, um, <laughs> I'm yeah, it's been amazing. So at when I reach 200, I will post another side by side picture. I'll do a, I'll do uh, my original weight and my new weight. So, um, but just and I thank everybody who's really encouraged me, and I've gotten wonderful applause from people. Yeah. So thank you very much. Yeah, that's so, awesome. That's really yeah. cool. So I having no idea. I didn't start timing this. I don't think you timed it. Um, uh, we are just over 20 minutes into this delightful conversation that, oh, that cool. uh, but I'm, I am excited to get into our, our into our yeah. conversation, but it so has been a minute should... since we talked. So I didn't want to, I did not want to interrupt you, uh, but if we are well, done with catching up, I and, would love to jump into this topic. And I have to say for once, I'm the one actually you have, you always have these great stories. I actually have some really cool stories. So I felt that was, I was really excited. Yeah, absolutely. I'm (laughs) so excited for you. And I'm really glad that you got to share that and that we got a chance to catch up. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So I think we should start this. So um, this was kind of uh, Holly's uh, really wanted to do this and I agreed with it, but that's I'm going to let Holly get, let her start with the introduction to it. So, yes, thank you. So, as we've already covered, I was I was on uh, our honeymoon. We went to Hawaii. Hawaii is one of the last last uh, states added to the United States, and it was I, it happened. Can I say really quickly? On yeah, that? Uh, Hawaii became a state after Jerry Harris, Dean Borland, and Tom Harris were born. I just have to say yeah. this. Okay, now we can yeah. Move so on. it's not like it happened like. <laughs> eons ago or yeah. early in the union or in the 17 no. or 1800s no it, it's not it hasn't been that long um basically before western civilization went over there and kind of fucked things up like it like it does there was uh, a wide understanding among the islands of a third gender and they are called mahu m-a-h-u and while i was over in hawaii uh, part of the, like I said, I like to learn about my, the cultures and the places that I'm visiting. I did, I did just that. So I talked to to locals and I talked to native Hawaiians and I, one individual um, and we just got to know them really well. Cause we were drinking a lot. We would go out. You were drinking. We were drinking a lot. Yes. Huh, 11, okay. We spent 11 days in Kauai and um, Christina was like, yeah, we have, I don't know if you know this, but have you heard of Mahu? And I was like, no, what is that? So we, she explained it to us. And I'm like, oh my God, this is fascinating and awesome and beautiful. And 
And I got in, so I got back from, from our vacation and I told Gary, like, Hey, I really want to cover this, this topic. And it brought up a conversation among us, which is just that there are multiple cultures and multiple historical references to a third gender. And now we can't cover all of them in a 30 no second, way you know, 30 minute hell. conversation. <laughs> However, it is important to talk about it. And I, so we're going to, I'm going to talk about the Mahu specifically and then we'll kind of get into it a little bit more from there. Um, yeah. So it was just basically like this conversation just came up and I wanted to know a little bit more and that's where, uh, that's where we're going to start. So I'm going to start with kind of the gen- the definition here. So Mahu is a gender role in traditional Hawaiian society that refers to people who exhibit both feminine and masculine traits. So earlier on when Western civilization was starting to push their way into the Hawaiian culture, they called these individuals hermaphrodites. And that terminology has been misused widely for many, many, many years. And it's only been recently uh, redefined and clarified because it's not the same thing. Uh, The term in Hawaiian society Mahu was once a very respectful uh, position. It was a, a respectful person. Um, they were basically. It's also Tahitian. Just didn't know if you didn't know if you knew that Gary as uh, Hawaiian no. Hawaiian and Tahitian. So Tahiti is. Um, so there's two waves of societies that that had populated the Hawaiian islands, and the second wave was Tahiti. The other one was Polynesian. Um, so the first one was uh, the French Polynesian, and then it followed by Tahitian. So Tahitian and Hawaiian societies have what's called the third gender, which is a tradition. What they refer to as like a spirit, a spiritual or social uh, person, and they they held spiritual and social roles within their cultures. Um, they were, for the most part, born male, assigned male at birth, but were later referred to as having more. Uh, Gen, like feminine feminine qualities to them they would do the hula dances and the chants they would be the spiritual teachers and the leaders of those particular roles they were often referred to goddesses um they were the keepers of cultural traditions they passed down the genealogies of the different tribes um what but basically what was once a very respectful term has now been appropriated and displaced due to the lack of acceptance as a result of the colonization of the Hawaii islands. Um, they are now basic, even, even native Hawaiians are anti LBGTQ, which the Mahu would fall under that umbrella. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of hate and discrimination uh, they're denigrated. They're disrespected. They're seen as other they're pushed out and these were once very, very sought after individuals. There's very few of them in, in their society, and they were given high stat- stature to basically carry on their stories, their traditions, teach their kids, teach their, their you know, connect with the spirits and share with the spirits. They brought um, medical and meditation and uh, just a lot of therapeutic things that they learned from the Tahitian side of their ancestries. And all of that was just seen as othered because of a lot of this colonization where these binary Western values came in and basically just imposed on the people. 
So in like 18, from 1820 to 1830, new laws in the country or in the the islands of Hawaii basically started pushing that out. And then it became more prevalent over the next hundred plus years um, before they even became a state. It's just been slowly um, pushing these values out. And now as we see all over the world, we're seeing more and more acceptance. We're seeing more and more um, right, uh, not rights. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, acceptance. Well, acceptance, uh, but we're seeing we're seeing people marching and advocating and fighting for laws, fighting against laws, uh, creating legislation to protect people. Um, we're seeing a lot more of that happen throughout the entire world. And we're seeing it a lot in the Hawaiian islands in regards to the Mahu as well. And I, I don't have a lot as to what, what that looks like right now, but there are groups throughout the different islands that are trying to educate and push these, their history and try to re-educate like what, what their history means. Um, That Mahu means in the middle, that it's a spirit that is, is a spiritual being that's, that is sharing this body. And I, I'm, I'm irritated that this happened because it's such a beautiful story about how they had passed on their, their genealogy and how they uh, connected the, the different tribes together. And I just, I look forward to see that kind of, you know, come to an end and we can start seeing more of this um, two spirit or third gender, more, more inclusion, more inclusion. Um, yeah. So that's that's the Mahu in short. We're going to jump a little bit into do you want to start with the the definition of third gender and what that looks like or do you want to Well, take it? I'm even going to so what I ended up doing talk about a queer nundrum folks. Right? I was like so I okay, well you want to deal with the Hawaiian so I'll talk about I'll talk about the third gender cuz I know this culture I thought I did. This third gender. You know, I thought we'll just talk about that in general. Oh my fucking uh-huh. God. So <laughs> that in the end, I'm going to tell you folks didn't happen because there is so much wonderful information out there, but it covers so many different cultures. I narrowed it down even more than third gender. Okay. So this is something that um, I, I dealt more with native Americans in. So the United States, Canada area, a little bit of Mexico, Put it down into that area because the names i i'm hoping that we can every month maybe do one of the other areas okay uh india it very easily i could have gone with india too and i thought about that with how many listeners we have from there that's its whole oh my god so much stuff there that we could have just done one on them we could have, there's, I, again, I'm gobsmacked. There's just everywhere. I, there was, it was, it was too much, way, way, way too much. I mean, that's wonderful in this, you know, beautiful melting pot we have, but I, I really narrowed it down. And then even in the native American culture, oh my God, right. there were uh, so much, so, 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 so much. You forget because we're very, Holly and I are are white people, and we are very <laughs> we grew Eurocentric up in a binary in our culture, and yeah. yeah. And so, not to, oh my God, every every 
Native American culture has their own views on stuff. So I narrowed it down a little bit more. I still kept the whole Native American thing, but I took it a little more modern. So uh, I went with, um, I I want to, and I'm going to also say, because for me, guys, this got very confusing. And so I didn't want to be confused to you. I am reading this directly from Wikipedia under two spirits um, because I looked at several sources. They all are, they all seem the same. So I'm just doing this from Wikipedia because it's so complicated in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to misrepresent anybody. And I was afraid if I started trying to use my own words, I'm really trying to honor these people right now. Okay. So that's, okay. Um, so I want to state that, um, so, uh, Two-Spirit, also known at, or occasionally Two-Spirited, is a modern Pan-American umbrella term. So, it's covering all Indigenous North Americans to describe Native American people in the communities to fulfill a traditional third gender or gender-variant ceremonial and social role in their cultures. <laughs> See you alone! Wow. Whoa! Wow. Okay, so... Um, it's again, this is why I'm being very, I'm reading verbatim a lot of the stuff because of like, oh my God, the term two spirit was created in 1990 at the indigenous lesbian and gay international gathering in Winnipeg and specifically chosen to distinguish and distance native American first nation people from non-native peoples. Okay. So basically they're saying to give it their own, you know, they have their own like uh, the different, I, I, I personally associate with different colors of flags for different, you know, for bears and for lesbian, for bisexual. Oh, okay. So the, the primary purpose of coining a new term was to encourage the replacement of the outdated and considered offensive anthropological term. And I'm going to try hard on this word, Berdachi, Berdachi. it's B-E-R-D-A-C-H-E. While this term has, so basically it's the Native American version of fag. Okay. So that, that much I got when I research stuff. All right. Uh, And so it started off kind of like with yours, started off this really nice, beautiful spiritual term. It gained some terrible, uh, some terrible definitions throughout the time. It's become just a terrible term now. Um. While this new term has not been universally accepted, it it has been criticized as a term for erasure of traditional communities who already have their own terms for people being grouped under this new term and by those who reject what they call the Western binary implications, such as implying that natives believe these individuals are both male and female. It has generally received more acceptance and use than the anthropological term it replaced. Okay, right there reading that, for you tells you a lot of why I'm I just am reading just almost word for word because it's so convoluted and it's still scary they're still trying to figure out where they want to go with this and so I don't want to not represent somebody Mm -hmm. um so two-spirit was not intended to be interchangeable with the LGBT Native American or gay Indian Rather, it was created in English and then translated into Wajibi to serve as Pan-Indian Unifier. 
to be used for general audiences instead of traditional terms in indigenous languages for what we are actually for what are actually quite diverse, culturally specific, ceremonial, and social roles that can vary quite widely if and when they exist at all. Opinions vary as to whether or not this objective has succeeded. The decision to adopt this new pan-Indian term was also made to distance themselves from non-native gays and lesbians, as the term and identity of two-spirit does not make sense unless it is contextualized within a Native American or First Nations framework and traditional cultural understanding. (laughs) However, Oh my goodness. However, (laughs) the gender non-conforming LGBT or third and fourth gender ceremonial roles traditionally embodied by Native American and F and I am people and tend to be under the modern umbrella of two-spirit can vary widely, even among the indigenous people who accept the English language term. No one Native American First Nations cultures, gender, or sexuality categories apply to all or even a majority of these cultures. It's like talk wow. about again yeah. this queer nundrum. I mean, here we are just walking this la 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 la. This will be a beautiful story. La la la. Oh my fuck! It's it's so convoluted. It is, and 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 so, and I say in wonderfully rich, diverse ways, which is wonderful. And for, we forget how many different. Just Native American cultures are out there. I'm just talking about in our area. And I'm not talking about all over the world. I'm just talking about in our one little area on this big blue dot, you know? And so I'm laughing because of how little we know. And this is exactly why we wanted to do this podcast. This is here. It hits the nail on the head beautifully. There is so much in the queer community. We have no fucking idea what it is. We don't know. Um, So I wanted to go down and, um, well, I just always like to go down, but that's another story. (laughs) Um, So. Oh, boy. I'm going to go through some different terminologies from different, from different uh, Native American, their nations. Okay. Okay. So. um, and again, for anybody out there, you're going to cringe at my pronunciations. I am so sorry. Uh, from Blackfoot, we have Ayiki Eshi, which means acts like a woman. There are historical accounts of individuals who engage in homosexual relations or who were born as men but lived their lives as women, possibly for religious or social reasons. These individuals were viewed in a wide variety of ways from being revered spiritual leaders, brave warriors, and artisans to targets of ridicule. Um, Another terminology from Blackfoot is awakai, a male homosexual. Another one from the same culture, naya askito pahikapi, and that is manly hearted woman. This term has a wide variety of meanings ranging from women who performed the roles of men, dressed as men, took female partners, or who participated in activities such as war. That's just from one nation. We go down now to Cree, Napu Isco Wise Hot, 
a man who dresses as a woman. Iswu ka napawahat, a woman who dresses as a man. These are all Cree. Ahu kaiu, a man dressed living, accepted as a woman, possibly not a respectful term others have suggested as a third gender designation applied to both women and men. Mm. Um, in, okay, this is a, in a hapkosat, a woman dressed living except as a man, also given as someone who fights everyone to prove they are the toughest. And again, I'm sorry for these pronunciations. Iskawahakan. You're doing great. Who acts, lives as a woman. Nahakpan, who acts, lives as a man. Bati, a word that describes both trans women and homosexual males. Okay, those were two. Okay, now we get into Lakota. It's Winkate. It's the contraction of an older Lakota word. Here we go. Winkataha, meaning wants to be like a woman, and Winkate, a social category in historical Lakota culture of male-bodied people who in some cases have adopted the clothing, work, and manners of the Lakota culture can usually considered feminine. And it goes on more and more in that stuff. I don't need to get into all that. So we go there, look, then we get into, I'm just going to list, there's Navajo, there's Abiji, there is Zuni. Those are three more. And this is a very condensed version. I'm not going to get it because basically all these words, have every one of them has five, six, 12 meanings for different things, which when you start to me, as I, as I'm listening, as I'm reading the definitions, they sound a lot alike, but there's little variations of it. So we could talk about any one of these people, one of these groups, nations, and we could get into an entire podcast just on that one nation, which Holly, I think we should. I'm okay. just going to say that right now. I think we should. Um, then just a quick wrap. The contemporary issues. I want to get into this. It's a lot of what everybody else is dealing with. Sure. The increasing visibility of the two-spirit concept in mainstream culture has been seen as both empowering and as having some undesirable consequences, such as the spread of misinformation. Imagine, Holly, misinformation. What? I know. Stop it. You mean alternative facts right yeah yeah exactly yeah so sarcastic well, people and being sarcastic I, I i don't even know if if certain people would even admit there are native americans i'm curious about that i don't think you ever mentioned that anyway um so misinformation okay. about the cultures of indigenous people pan-indianism and cultural appropriation of indigenous identities and ceremonial ways among non-natives who did not understand that indigenous communities see two-spirit as a specifically Native American and First Nations cultural identity, not one to be taken up by non-natives. <laughs> and again, I'm laughing about how stupid I am right now, okay? Um, two-spirit does not acknowledge either traditional acceptance or the non-acceptance of individuals in various nations and tribes. The idea of gender and sexuality variants being universally accepted among Native American First Nation people has become romanticized. Accordingly, the change from 
Berdachi to Two-Spirit is most accurately understood as a non-native idealization of the social acceptance of gender variance, idealizing or romanticized acceptance of gender variance. So, Tali, is that as clear to you as muddy water? Pretty muddy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, I get the impression, this is me getting the impression from reading all this, that they are trying to make it more acceptable to Native Americans, to their individual nations, but doing it in such a way that we as white Eurocentric people can understand. And if I'm wrong on that, anybody who's listening to it, please email, let me know what I've, if I'm reading us all wrong, because I'm, I mean, I am more confused now than I was. So it means I want to learn more about this. If there is anybody out there listening to this, who is native American, who would like to come on our podcast and talk about this, my God, get a hold of us. We will have you on the next podcast. I, I would love to have you on it so we can talk about this in a much more intelligent way. I mean, I think both of us feel completely out of our depth. The more I look, the more I looked into stuff, the less I understood, which is great, but I need somebody. We need somebody. Our audience needs somebody to help us learn more about this wonderfully fluid, diverse culture. Yeah, we should definitely, and, I'm going to actually see if I could find somebody who maybe a speaker or a writer or author or something on the, on the first nations culture that might be able to speak to us on this. Um, and then uh, the one last thing I want to get into just a really quick quote, quote from um, it's from um, George Catlin, who is he, he's an artist who did a couple paintings about native Americans Unfortunately, depending on oral tradition to impart our ways to future generations, open the floodgates for early non-Native explorers, missionaries, and anthropologists to write books describing Native, Native peoples and therefore bolstering their own role as experts. These writings were and are still entrenched in the perspective of the authors who were and are mostly white men. So we're still getting our information from people like me. And we're not being open-minded and letting the people who have experienced it live it. That is why we need, like we're just talking, I was just talking, Holly, and you agree, but I knew mm -hmm. you would, that mm -hmm. we need to get, and that's, I guess, I really wouldn't want to do more in this subject until we had somebody who had some experience in, in it. And my God, right. we both live in, we both live in college towns. We just have to look into this more and I bet we can find yeah. somebody. Well, and our college towns do, uh, well, I don't know about your area, but here in the Pacific Northwest area, there are a couple of different tribes not very far from where I live currently. Um, but what I thought about doing is like connecting like maybe with the Indian Health Services and see if maybe they know someone who might speak on this. I could, I'm could i going to check LinkedIn. Uh, if any of our listeners happen to know, that would be helpful too. Because uh, I think it is important to bring the representation to the conversation versus white-breaded individuals here trying our best to educate not only ourselves, but everyone who listens to our podcast, which is, you know, wonderful. And I love it. That's what we're here for. But I do think it's important, as Gary's mentioned, to be able to have the actual 
actual individuals who are representative of these communities on our show. Share and I realize I, I do need to, I, I know that I for sure mispronounced the word. Uh, it's not Berdachi, which is a terrible, we're finding out how bad a word it's Berday. Berday. Uh, so it, and it's, um, I want to read the full definition of it really quickly. Okay. Um, and then um, it's before the late 20th century, non-native, i.e. non-native American Canadian anthropologists use the term um, in a very broad manner to identify ind- indigenous individual fulfilling one of the many mixed gender roles in their tribe. So it even didn't come from the native Americans. It still comes from the white man. Most often these anthropologists apply the term to any male who they perceive to be homosexual, bisexual, or effeminate by Western social standards. Though occasionally the term was applied to lesbian, bisexual, and gender non-conforming females as well. This led to a wide variety of diverse individuals being categorized under this imprecise term. At times, it incorrectly implied that these individuals were intersex or hermaphrodites. Yes. That's so that same, tells you how similar. Term, yeah. Well, say, I'm not going to say same, but very similar yeah. to the Mahu of Hawaii. Oh yeah, they got no. Mis- it's very mis- similar. Yeah, mistitled and yeah, misrepresented and all that. What was that? My my world is blowing up over here. Okay. Um, don't you worry about it. It's all good. Okay. This is like, ah! <laughs> so um, yeah. So I'm honestly, unless I again we put out help to people please help us i i think we're ready to move on to our our queer quarter i I think yeah we're there so yeah i am looking forward to this stick with us as we jump into our queer corner where we cover what's going on in the news of queer society and gary covers something cool in the pop culture so stick with us we'll see you here in just a moment to the queer corner honor 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 <laughs> you know we have added some uh wonderful people on our team and we're very grateful for them to volunteer the <laughs> we have not added a sound engineer yet we're still working on it hey we're still here so if, if somebody <laughs> wants to be a sound engineer out there who knows what they're doing and doesn't mind getting paid in compliments for now uh, please compliments talk to us. i'd be i'd be happy to to say very nice things draw you a pretty picture of a sunshine with some hillsides. It'd be great. Um, <laughs> so getting into our quick corner, Gary's going to start us off with something fun. And maybe? so, yeah, well, no. So, what, <laughs> and I already told Holly, I, I, so I tried to find a movie television series, something that dealt with the quote unquote third gender. Um, that I would review and talk about it. Um, This is more of a rant, honestly, because I was offended by everything I found. I watched a total of six different things dealing with Hawaiian culture, with Native American culture, and with India. That really bothered me. They were so, to me, so bad. And I mean, not just a bad movie, but the way they characterized these people, it hurt me really 
really bad. I was embarrassed watching this. I, I can't imagine that these were what the people in these cultures would want to be show as representative of who they are. Um, and so I am putting another plea out to any of our listeners. Direct me to a movie, a series, um, a book that I'm not talking documentary stuff, talking about an actual fictionalized something that I that I can watch and get something out of that would feed my soul and hopefully our community of listeners souls this like again um it may just be a culture thing but the stuff that i watched was not only badly acted badly edited badly everything it seemed to me unless i was mistaken making a lot of fun in a not laughing with at them and who they were and what they did. And so that really honestly hurt my soul. I, and it took me a, a day or two of just cleansing myself spiritually to get the, the nastiness that, that I got from these bits of stuff I watched that were from everything I could tell were made by the individual cultures. And so I really want somebody to lead me to something that would make me feel better about stuff. So please uh, uh, send an email to us or, or send it over uh, Twitter, Facebook, a movie, a book, anything that I could read or watch that would first of all help me understand the significance of this better, but I would like mm -hmm. to be entertained by it. Do you mind I, telling us a couple of those movies? So no, I'm not them? going to. No. Mm, okay. I, they were that bad. I'm not, I don't even want to give them the dignity of letting the people who listen to this. Fair enough. I know they were terrible. And I don't think any of our listeners, I, I just, and I don't want to have people then watch it because, oh, it can't be that bad. So no, I'm, I'm not going to. And I really went back and forth on that, Holly. Okay. I go, God, maybe I should let them know, but no, because I don't even want to give them because they're arguing. And I would do the exact same thing, listeners. I go, well, it can't be that bad. I bet I can find And I, I don't want them to be downloaded and show that somebody watched it. I, I don't, I, I just don't want to give them that kind of stuff. I don't want to help in that in any way, shape or form. Fair. That's fair. So, so that's, and I'm sorry to be so down folks. And I was going to just say, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to do a, movie review of it of something else or that just dealt with with trans or with i was thinking trans because a lot of it was leading in those directions but i just go no I'm, i want to call it like i see it right now and i just really felt that everything i looked at and granted i did not read anything i would and i could as i couldn't find anything mm -hmm. so if there's a book out there i could read i would love that because i love my books um, anything that, that talks about anything that we've just gone over or including, I don't care if it's dealing with, with India or Greece or wherever, something that just, something you know, take that takes in the culture in a way that, that respects the culture there. That's what look, respects the culture. Respects the culture. Yeah. I say we do a shout out on our, our social media and see if we can pull some information that way too. 
Oh, and I'm going, yeah. And I will, I will get it on Twitter. Um, get that going. Um, and then if you do that, cause I just, it's, I know it's out there. I just don't know where I'm looking because I am a Eurocentric white man. So, <laughs> all right. So all right, I'm, leaving it, I'm leaving it to you to give us some depth today. So Yeah, give you some depth and then we'll wrap this baby up. So welcome to the segment of everything you wanted to know about LBGTQ news, but we're afraid to ask. So we're going to start this delightfulness off with the Olympics. Because that's what's going on right now in the world. Uh, so there are 168 individuals that make history this week as the largest showing of publicly out LGBTQ athletes uh, who will be competing, or competing, excuse me, in the Olympics. And these are individuals from all over the world. They're um, basically they're they're living their authentic self. They're blazing a path for future generations. And in honor of the 2020 Olympics, this week's news will be highlighting the queer people at the top of their game and striving to break down boundaries. New Zealand's power lifter, Laurel Hubbard, might be one of the most controversial LGBTQ faces in the Tokyo Olympics this year. As the first out transgender woman competing in the women's division, she has sparked complaints from competitors despite the fact that she has adhered to all of the International Olympic Committee's rules surrounding transgender com- competitors. More than just a trailblazer, Hubbard has a serious athlete who has overcome a broken arm in 2018 and has returned to her sport to take it to the highest level. Hubbard has avoided immediate interviews, and for good reason. I do not blame them. In 2017, she did say on the radio New Zealand uh, – uh, sorry – Radio New Zealand. I would say New Zealand radio, but that's not how it's worded here. Uh, has basically just blocked out all the criticism. I mean, this is why they have basically strived to not be involved in in the interviews. Because as we're seeing right now at the Olympics, we're seeing people respond to uh, taking care of themselves and actually voicing that, like take mental health issues and and stepping away from the sport if they need to. And this is something that they're doing to take care of themselves and not dealing with the media is one of the ways they're doing it. It's fantastic. Uh, She says that is not my role or my goal to change people's minds. I would hope they would support me, but it is not for me to make them do so. I am grateful and humbled by the kindness and support that I have been given to me by so many of the New Zealanders. Um, There has been a lot of controversy and some people have talked about how they get down to the numbers of like, oh, it's like it's not fair competition, the testosterone levels, blah, 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 blah. The reality is, leave it alone. They have followed the rules as they have been dictated by the governing body of the Olympics. And if they are performing within those bounds, then who are you to judge? Anyway, moving on. In first of other uh, other sport fronts. Athletes are coming out all over the place. It is a glorious thing to watch, for sure. Most recently, 19-year-old Luke Prokop, I think is how you pronounce that, P-R-O-K-O-P, became the I first. I believe you. You believe me. It was yeah. the f- <laughs> Is the uh, first active National Hockey League player to come out publicly as gay. He is joined with NFL star Carol Nisbet, who came out on Instagram in June. Both athletes have joined the public 
have enjoyed the public support of both their teams, the leagues, as well as the governing bodies of the league and supporting them. From a very young age, Pro Cup says that I have dreamt of being an NHL, NHL player, and I believe living my authentic self will allow me to bring my whole self to the rink and improve my chances of fulfilling my dreams. I mean, how beautiful is that? You even have the actual commissioner, Gary Bennett, thanking him for coming out and said that he hopes that more professional hockey players and staff members will feel comfortable enough to come out in the future and feel, and feel that support in living their authentic self. I mean, come on. You can't ask for I mean, you can ask for more. But that is really good. I love that. Uh, you can learn some more about that in them.us. They have a wonderful story on that. Uh, you could also check out npr.org, and they also cover a story that was published on uh, July 19th. So speaking of sports, wow. Speaking of sports, one related glass ceiling was recently smashed in a spectacular and glorious fashion when trans model Liana Bloom was chosen as one of three cover stars of the 2021 Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Side comment here. I found my 2016 swimsuit edition when I was going through my storage stuff. And yeah, I kept it because it's one of my favorite issues. Super excited. Anyway, get back to it. The theme, of, <laughs> the theme of this year's swimsuit <laughs> issue is opening eyes, speaking truths and changing minds. With three different covers featuring Bloom, rapper Megan the Stallion, and tennis star Naomi Osaka. In the publishing remarks, Bloom commented, I have dreamt a million beautiful dreams, but for girls like me, most dreams are just fanciful hopes in a world that often erases and omits our history and even existence. I dedicate this cover to all the ballroom femme queens, past, present, and future. This historical moment is important to girls like us because it allows us to live and be seen. Many girls like us don't have a chance to live our dreams or to live long at all. I hope my cover empowers those who are struggling to be seen and feel valued. Let me be a messenger guiding us to a future of respect and appreciation of all women in all forms and from all walks of life. Hell yes. I want to hug them so bad. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You can find more at pinknews.co.uk. All right, yeah, that, Our, that's gorgeous. I have to that when I when I saw that on right. TV, I, I I got all weepy. So right, all right. So the last little bit on on sport delicious news here before I kind of go into what's going on around the world. Uh, last but not least, of course, is that we have if um, in politics, I guess is politics of sports, whatever. Um, politics <laughs> is most definitely an extreme sport right now. Uh, it's uh, quite, so one of its, wow, I can't talk. Oh, one yes, of its can. quite new stars, Chantel Wong, is the first out lesbian to be nominated for an ambassador level position. Wong was previously appointed to the Asian Development Bank Bank's Board of Directors by President Bill Clinton and has also served as a CFO of the Millennium Challenge Corp as a budget director at NASA and is an acting budget director at the Treasury Department. So that is fantastic. So that you'll find that in the NBC Out News. Uh, Biden nominates first lesbian ambassador level position. 
And I, that's, I think that's pretty cool. It kind of takes us into like the next little bit of news that I wanted to touch up on. I had told you all that I would keep you up to date. I was going on in Ghana. Uh, the 21 activists who were arrested during uh, a meeting that was taking place have, there's no news on that. There's no further change on that from what I could find out in the world. If you know something, please share. Um, as it stands right now, at the end of July, nothing has changed in that front. However, Ghana is working on an anti-gay bill that seeks to do long-term jail sentences for anybody participating in any form of LGBTQ. So it is a proposed bill at this point that any member of this community will be imprisoned between five to 10 years for identifying or advocating for their rights as LGBTQ. So they're basically criminalizing further, but making it like actual bill instead of just being the assholes they are and just arresting people. They're actually passing laws that they can then enforce legally versus what they've been doing. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a tragedy to see this. We're seeing it all over the world. A lot of them are being, being stomped out. We're seeing other countries get involved in, in holding these countries accountable so far, nothing has really been pushed on the Ghana side. Uh, if, if there's something I've missed in the news on that, please do share that with me so I can keep people updated on that. But right now, uh, Ghana is still struggling hugely with um, trying to trying to get these laws uh, stopped, and we just need to continue to talk about it and advocate in support of these of these people. Um, so yeah. That's the, that's the last little bit that I have for you guys today on, on this. I just want to just go back to the, the Olympics. 2% of the Olympians that are playing right now are LGBTQ. And how freaking awesome is that? Of, of the entire history of the Olympics, this is the hugest showing of representation of our community and it is on the world stage representing countries all over this beautiful world. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I continue to watch the highlights and, and check in. I support Simone Biles and taking care of herself. Mental health is a huge thing. You have to take care of yourself, mind, body, and soul. I, If you guys have listened to any of our episodes, you know that I am pro mental health, like all the way. So if, if that's something you need to do for yourself, advocate, make it happen. Love you guys. Thank you so much for, for joining us on our episode. We will be connecting with you again in two weeks. Until then, be well. And be queer. <laughs> Always. Okay, I'm going to put it on video just for a minute. Thank you for connecting with us on this week's Conundrum. Connect with us on Facebook. Instagram. Twitter. At Conundrum Podcast. And email us at QueerNundrum at QueerNundrum.com. And please rate and review us on iTunes. Until then, peace and be well. And be queer. <laughs>